Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. selected appearance uh david german hey what's up <laughs> jonathan mark what's up and daniel nightmare nerd ryan greetings my fellow horror and science fiction fanatics you can't set them off but you might be able to set the creatures here in these movies uh. so as we go around the alien and predator saga was always rumored to be part of itself. And then game it over, man! Game over. As soon as it crossed over, game over. Um, and from there on, uh, we just see just a continual just uh, mix of ideas, uh, terror, and adventure, and other outer space concepts that are essentially, you know, updated B-movie tropes, but hardly just a simple, you know, uh, lowbrow thing. Everyone is just always going to these spectacles, you know. They're making Star Wars type money because you know they come in the wake of Jaws and all these other you know blockbusters. Um, so I'm just gonna we're gonna tackle them all chronologically and just kind of give our thoughts as well as how it echoed how we got into this franchise with each one. And don't worry, I'll select each movie and you know in uh, by year and. Well, we'll go from there. Um, so it all started in 1979. Uh, Dan O'Bannon came up with a creepy concept. He later went on to do other materials such as Species, uh, Return of the Living Dead films, and even Life Force. And here he teamed up with uh, early in his prime Ridley Scott to do this uh, spaceship besieged by an unusual creature. So... Uh, did you guys see this, you know, back in the day or were you, well, no, you're not that old. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you mainly saw, I was an infant. Right? So you, you guys mainly saw it, you know, on the movie channels or were you more used to it being, you know, like the movie of the week kind of deal or at the video store? I saw the, I saw the store for me. Okay. It, it is very interesting how this is continually just plagued everyone with terror nationwide. I was the generation where I had to hold the DVD remote in front of my eyes. I did not want to, you know, look at the screen. So it is wacky how, yes, I know the trope nowadays is you can make memes of this and it's not so scary if you fast forward. But yeah, at the time, it was just like, jeez, 
what is it about this former basketball player in a creature suit that's just so freaky? <laughs> oh. Everything. That's what's brilliant. I guess so. I mean, because it does kind of have that Night of the Living Dead kind of thing where everyone's trapped in a hole. Uh, instead of a house, it's a you know spaceship. And this is often cited as one of the earliest uh, cyberpunk movies just because of the spacesuit design. I think that's a little cheating, but I guess I'll give it that since it there's a lot of Easter eggs to Blade Runner later on, so it's kind of wild. Um, I guess what are the pros and cons of this very first chapter in the saga? Let me just like to flesh out. Bro, unbelievable creativity. Yeah. Pro yeah. introduced us to Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. <laughs> um, and I guess uh, what's more interesting is how basically, you know, years before Roger Corman starts and other, you know, B-movie guys start doing ripoffs of this, this is like the most, this kind of redesigns the whole, you know, uh, experiment gone wrong kind of genre because I mean it isn't even an experiment it's just you know undiscovered you know terror in space um, instead of it being you know a crewman or even just the robot it's just you know uh, you know you're having to they're having to both learn about the creature while trying to survive it at the same time and in, you, nowadays we don't even do that then now it's like someone says one line of dialogue and then they get killed and you only remember them because of how they were killed versus they were, you know, a different character in a spaceship. <laughs> this movie was early, uh, was an early example of when we started to portray the future as not being shiny and sterile and, and wonderful. It was, you know, these were working class guys. Um, you know, their their uniforms were dirty, that the spaceship surfaces were dirty and a little dingy. It was not like this shiny 2001 Space Odyssey future. Very well said. Because I, I mean, know. yeah, I um, I enjoyed that aspect. And by the way, I did see this in the theater. I was fourteen when this came out. So you all like? Did you do what my mother did on the opening of Jaws, where she kicked people in front of them? Or oh, I, I remember watching it mainly through the, my fingers because I had my hands, <laughs> hands up to my face the whole time. That kind of a freaky kind of movie. It was absolutely, uh, the tension was almost unbearable. I just remember the first time seeing it, I, just, I almost couldn't stand it. It was so frightening, and, uh, and I loved it, of course. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely one of those movies where you watch it, you know, and introduce it to crowds, and, you know, no one knows what to expect. There's always people who have heard of it, but, I mean every film history book I would ever read that would talk about this when they got to the chapter, you know, just would it was all you could never sum it up in just, you know, a few paragraphs. They would go, you know, at least spend a good seven pages on it. And it was always connected with all the other blockbusters because, you know, they're using special effects to tell a story as well as uh, change how they tell the genre and, you know, all the actors, you know, even the minor supporting actors like Ian Holm, Veronica Cartwright, they, their careers explode, you know, <laughs> Holm, you know, is goes on for to other british productions and you know even the fifth element and you know veronica she mm -hmm. has had other recurring tv roles around that uh decade later she was on la law so there you go it's just it everybody had 
is definitely recognized for this. And, you know, Ridley Scott's never been one who really is develops his characters, but fortunately enough, there's enough for everyone to build and characterize themselves. And, you know, Dan O'Bannon, he's into this kind of weird, just through the Lovecraftian kind of terror. So he, you know, everyone has a mo- their moment in the sun. Yeah. Uh, I was in the birds for crying out. She had a real hard movie pedigree. She was in yeah. the birds. Right. Which also like a, terrified me the first time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, well, and those movies both kind of have a similar template where you just instantly, it just, you instantly jump into the terror. And so you instantly accept it versus other movies where they rush themselves so frantically to where you have trouble kind of buying into everything right away because you're just like, whoa, 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 hold up. Did I miss something? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, so, and she was also in the, the uh, Body Snatchers remake. So she was, uh, she was. That's she right. In some heavy hitters. I was watching that. She's been in some heavy hitters. That's, for she, that's she, a good. Face, she plays a good sort of woman. She's always edgy. She's always on the edge of a, looks like she's on the edge of just a complete freak out. Yeah, I know, right? And mm-hmm. even her IMDb photo where she's smiling, she looks like she's, you know, <laughs> if there's too many flies, she's just going to be like, ah, melting. But yeah, no, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatcher is a good parallel because, yeah, that is kind of around the same time where everyone, you know, instead of just having a goofy man in a creature suit like Godzilla, a lesser Godzilla, or... Well, it was a guy in a creature suit, just a much more uh, grotesque creature suit. It's a grotesque creature suit, but then they do the... Uh, just the, uh, you know, everyone just uh, afraid of everything, just to move, just to breathe, you know, just afraid of the unknown. And so they're kind of going for that kind of parallel, even yeah. though there's no, you know, flesh, uh, you know, shedding or <laughs> uh, people in uh, human, uh, alien well, and human. sort of is, guys. They, they do find like a cast off skin. I, I guess with the robot that would count, yeah. Because he's... Yeah. Well, they do find they found they do find the shed skin of the um of it. Xenomorph. Oh yeah, yeah, that's oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I'm totally dead wrong. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, so yeah, no, I'm gonna give this a four out of five. I can't deny it. I don't come back to it as much, but I cannot, you know, deny the terror in it and. Just how, you know, I, it's one of those because it's been copied so much. I just don't find as much enjoyment with it now. But I cannot deny how, you know, that if you were to still do a Alamo Draft House type screening with this, this would kill. This would sell out <laughs> in a heartbeat. Still, oh yeah, it's still a brilliant movie. Yeah. It's still a good movie. It's just amazing just how many people have just ripped off the formula to where it's like, for God's sakes. Well, it's, it's the Matrix of its time. It made the formula. That's a, that's a good parallel. It's like, good God, everybody stop shooting in slow motion. <laughs> uh, so, stop uh, crap in the space uniform. Yeah. And then the cyborg going berserk and trying to, <laughs> uh, you know, eliminate all the humans who are getting in his way because he's been sent by the corporation for a different purpose. So, yeah. And how disturbing was that scene? The sounds that he makes when he's. <laughs> I, I that high pitched sort of warbling, I don't know what, like a giggle or it's it's like effective. Right, even when he's yeah. just like in that puddle. 
And he actually, he's so smarmy, even when he's just a head on a table, he's still, you just hate him. Great, great performance. It, one of the parts about this movie that has not aged well, in my opinion, that shot where they go from, it's clearly his head in a hole in the table to where they pull the plug and it's just a wax mold there. Yeah, they try to cover around. the transition. Yeah. Like, she knocks it. Yeah, but it, you're right, that part. Yeah. And so, someone just lifted the camera up just a tad. You could... Mm-hmm. Um, damn you, Ridley Scott. But it's even funnier how... Uh, uh, that's one that's been used so much in memes. It's like, please stop. <laughs> You're making us laugh at this intensity. <laughs> uh, so I'll let you guys rate it. Uh, John? <laughs> well, this one... Oh, man, especially that scene with the android. That that scene freaked me out as a kid. Um, and I mean, everybody in the casts. Does such a great job though. Characters, which and every more... robot looks like the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> Exterminate! But... Oh dear God, is this in the Doctor Who timeline? That might make a little better sense. <laughs> Where the hell this creature came from? True. <laughs> but um, no, this is. I still call this a classic. It's still my favorite film of that year. Four out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> I'm four and a half out of five. Okay, perfect. And David? <laughs> oh, I got I give this one five out of five. This is not this is this is possibly my favorite horror movie of all time. It's up between this one and the omen, I think. Uh, but I I I got this movie is yeah, it's really that. perfect. In fact, I think for me to find anything about it that I don't love, it would take a lot of effort. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look on my Facebook, I got the tattoo of the uh, Nostromo, the patch, the shoulder patch. That they have on their uniforms, on their jackets. Um, I have it on tattooed on my shoulder. I just oh, the Halasan, yeah. The, <laughs> uh, the, the Nostromo mission patch. <laughs> but, uh, I, this movie is uh, this is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Five out of sure. five, without a doubt. All right, awesome. Nowhere. All right, nerd. <laughs> this is five out of five, man. This is a timeless classic. Just it changed the whole like space alien genre. For sure, for sure. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. And, I, and I, the the elements they unleashed, you can't say enough, man. Like this changed everything. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you see even just subtle references to it, much like 2001, where it's like, yeah, I know where you got that computer design or that. And, and nowadays, whenever a door opens, all the foley artists will sneak in a sound effect that sounds like you know, alien or aliens. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I know what you did there. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I don't think it outdoes Jaws by being as quotable. I can't even remember any of the quotes. I do think, it, you know, the tension is relentless and the characters are fascinating. Um, there's a few slower moments because it is, you know, an older movie, but it is pretty awesome still. So, Great. For sure. Now, on to decades later, Walter Hill and the other producers decide, you know, someone else has to keep the franchise alive, and who better than someone who's been doing a lot of alien knockoffs for Roger Corman, but James Cameron, you know, fresh off the first Terminator and movies he's been fired from, but like Piranha 2, so. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have known? Who would have seen his final version? (laughs) it's pretty debatable what the final version is because i mean he kept sneaking into the editing lab and then getting thrown out again so i mean (laughs) 
It got the Shout Factory release, though, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, 86 was a great year for movies, and oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it has to be up there. And it is wild because even though you got the, you know, Colonial Marines and, uh, you know, planet, uh, land, more planet uh, type adventure and, you know, more uh, walking through events than die, die Hard two years later, you know, um, I think it's w very interesting how even though they're using computers at the time, it still looks bigger than it is because of all the other just attachments they add to it and uh, just other props and uh, there was a great interview by uh, Mark Ralston recently. Uh, you, you know, who plays... Uh, <clears throat> I can't speak today. Um, not Ned. Uh, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Drake. Right. Yeah, yeah, Private right. Drake. And uh, uh, with Podcasting After Dark. And he talked about how uh, the punch in the face the black eye he got was real because you know everyone was you know coordinating and rehearsing the fights and so they made sure to film it out of order so it would look like he actually you know they could they made that part of the movie and he talked about how he and the other stars really bonded he was already close with bill paxton and you know he and jeanette goldstein you know vasquez you know were very close and james cameron just allowed everybody to you know enhance their various characterizations and that does say a lot because you're not going to know all the names right away on the first viewing. But, yeah, multiple viewings, you just start realizing it's like, yeah, this is how you, you know, characterize everybody. And then, mm -hmm. you know, move the film forward. Everybody's, you know, all rowdy and everything. It's like, yeah, just another day on the block. What What's to see here? <laughs> we're used to stealing stuff from the corporation and, you know, retrieving other stuff. Just another day job. They're basically subcontractors, Blackwater, before it was a thing. <laughs> But in the future, and a little less cartoons be evil name. Yeah, <laughs> no. and it is wild how uh, just again, you know, Ripley uh, just returns and is kind of spearheading the whole thing. She's learned to man up. <laughs> uh, you got Hicks, Corporal Hicks, and yeah. <laughs> this here's the ultimate question I want to pose because. You know, Michael Bean has already played, you know, Kyle Reese from Terminator by this point. Is Hicks the essential role for him or is the secondary to uh, Kyle? Because, you know, it's just Definitely too... Secondary. Definitely secondary. Really? Okay. Because I've seen people do that back and forth, you know, just and it's kind of apples and oranges to me. And yet, you know... <laughs> He just owned both roles because, you know, he and James were comfortable working together. He was already fresh off working with a few, on a few movies with William Frick, uh, uh, Franken. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, that that is just... Uh, so if I may interrupt here, it is worth noting in both films, he is his primary role is to build the female lead up. Yeah. He, right, you know, right. in Terminator, it's Linda Hamilton, and in Aliens, it's, uh, it's Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, they always talk about, oh, Josh Whedon characterized females. I'm like, nah, fuck that. James Cameron characterized people. This is the same dude yeah. who later did the Dark Angel TV show with Jessica Alba. So, I mean, he knows how to develop people uh, and have it be more than just... I mean, he took atypical actors, and it wasn't about, you know, how built you were, uh, you're adding CGI muscles to you. It was all about 
you know, getting all the close-ups, getting all the other just art design. films. Exactly. Just how it's staged. And I think that just, it amazes me to know and how everyone just wants to overlook that. It's all about, oh, we need effects for this much. And it's like, or how about you just understand it and people will like it even more because it wasn't just brain dead entertainment. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, no, I, I cannot deny this. This is a four and a half out of five for me. It's one of the 80s classics. It's referenced <laughs> everywhere in other comic books to video games to other movies. It's just anytime you see a bunch of people, especially like the movie that we're going to talk about here in just a bit, uh, you know, you, you pretty much always go, oh, it's a Predator Aliens type movie. You know, <laughs> When you see a bunch of, you know, outer space soldiers. I mean, you, you see it, especially the influence in other movies like, you know, zombie remakes as well as, you know, dog soldiers, you know, just all those kinds of movies. Yeah, no, I, I can quote this one all day and it's a great party movie as much as it is just an excellent, you know, classic of the eighties and, and multiple genres. It's an action sci-fi horror movie. <laughs> what else can we say? I'll let you guys rate it. I'll go first. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be shy. Dude. Honestly, I'm going to give it a three out of five because it is an incredible action movie. It's so great in that respect, but I feel like it crippled the franchise because at this point, Ripley's arc was complete. Oh, hey, hey now. Oh, <laughs> I kind of said that with yeah. Alien now. <laughs> but I'm sorry, but in, in this movie, Ripley's character was complete. And there was nowhere for her to go. And they kept trying to use that character from there on. It crippled the whole franchise. Ah, oh, but Hudson. <laughs> they could have. They could have, man. They could have. Oh, okay. And Newt. <laughs> Newt, what could have been? What could have been? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. I think it stands as its own, and you can just pretend that it, you know, it ended there. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, John. Well, I'm going to be bold here, but this is actually my favorite movie of all time. There you go. Okay. Um, Yeah, this is one I just grew up on as a kid. Um, But like I said, I mean, it's so quotable. You have a fantastic cast who all have characters you remember to this day, and you quote to this day. And just... James Cameron's writing and direction is just perfect. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this, at least to me. Yeah. Um, it also has one of my all-time favorite scores from James Horner. Good point. That's... I mean, they even use it in a lot of movie trailers, especially back in the day. Oh, so, uh, yeah. That's very true. This easily gets five stars. Easily the best one to me. Okay, okay. David, step on. Yeah, definitely five out of five. Maybe my favorite action movie of all time. It's interesting. I one thing I hated when people ask you, so which is a better, you know, which is the better movie, Alien or Aliens? And like they're they're not they they're completely different movies. They're both set in space, and that's about it. You know, they mm-hmm. both involve xenomorphs. This one's just absolute balls to the wall action. Once once the action starts, it just doesn't let up in this movie. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, you love the Marines. Some of the dialogue, some of the banter between the Marines is just hilarious. It's eminently quotable. Everything Hicks says 
Premier's uh, a banquet to pay take a fortune. Yeah, every, <laughs> every, every, everything, everything the Marines say is quotable. Uh, I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? She says, no, have you? No. You're right. It's one of the greatest burns in movie history. Uh, uh, definitely five out of five. I, I, the, um, for me, a movie is judged by if you happen to stumble across it on TV or whatever, can you stop watching it? And I just can't. When this movie's on, I have to watch it. Right. Me. Yep. I have to watch it. It's terrifying. It, it, the direction is flawless. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. I can gush about this movie all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty. Let's go on to the other Men on a Mission versus Aliens, Jim. Uh, that is Predator. <laughs> <laughs> You're one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so. Arnold Schwarzenegger, do we think of him as an actor or just an action star or both? Because <laughs> it depends on who you ask. <laughs> he, he's an action star, man. <laughs> I know. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. He knew what he could do and he stuck to it. Yeah, exactly. He, he could have gone out and tried to do Shakespeare. He knew what he could do well, and he, he stuck did, to it. Remember in Last Action Hero? <laughs> I wish they made that movie. I wish they did make that version of Hamlet. I, somewhere in a vault, someone optioned that movie, said, hey, uh, Olivia Hussey, do you want to play the queen to Arnold's Hamlet? <laughs> was a kind with that. Uh, he had a certain kind of charm, and just even mocking himself in movies like Kindergarten Cop, and mm-hmm. even just playing it straight in rare instances like uh, End of Days, Just that's what sets him up just growing up. I had to see every movie he was in. You know, Stallone just had so many blunders. Van Damme was hit and miss. And, you know, Bruce Willis didn't do as much. was kind of like Clint Eastwood, where he did action here and there in between, you know, serious dramas. So it's like Arnold was just the go-to if you want to see a spectacle and then just have an just epic one-liner. It was just, you always waited for <laughs> Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I went to the premiere of this one, just very awful. Uh, I think it was called Lake Fear. It was just a very amateur-made slasher movie in, like, 2015 or something. And at one point, I kid you not, they rip off the opening where someone gets stuck to the wall by by, by a knife, and someone says, hey, stick around. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, someone watched Predator. I know, but it was very clear that someone had been watching that movie on autopilot nonstop. (laughs) Oh, God. Bad horror movies. Where would we be without them? Anyway, so this one, God, it's amazing how Roger Ebert was like the only critic who gave this any slack back in the day. And yet it was immortal. Like it was on HBO every day. It was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's cheap to come by. It was cheap to come by. Stan Winston, it made its budget back. And Stan Winston, you know, he was doing a lot of the same brilliant creature effects. But even other effects people were working on this. Rick Baker was starting off doing some creature helps. Robert Kurtzman was also an intern. So it's like everybody's... Man, has almost... (laughs) Yeah, he was a whiny bitch. So they had to fire him before he, you know, took it to the limits and made a awesome movie the next year called blood sport um yeah so this was one of those i didn't react to it right away but i you know just time 
I, I rectify that. I would keep talking about it and saying, you know, I understand why this, you know, because at the time I'd seen all of Arnold's other movies for the most part. And it's like, hmm, I don't know. Because, you know, I'd seen parts of it before. I could see why it was suspenseful. And people said, you know, the lasers and the other mystery tension, you know, I mean, because this was also basically John McTernan's Die Hard before he actually made Die Hard. You know, it's just he mm-hmm. can never get away from it. Anytime he films a movie that's set in a jungle, he always has a lot of that same predator music and shots. <laughs> and uh, fun fact, you know, I forget the name of the cinematographer. I, I remember that dude had already worked on other great Australian movies like uh, Attack Force C with a then unknown Mel Gibson and Sam Neill and and John McTernan had seen that movie at a drive-in. That's why he hired this guy to do all these stunning, you know, tracking shots and handheld uh, camera work. So in a way, this does also inspire a lot of the all the other war movies before, you know, years before Black Hawk Down and, you know, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> and so I'm just pointing that out. Uh, I think a lot of, if, if anything, when in doubt, everyone's definitely referencing shots from this movie because they just like how everyone's collected exposing their strategy and much like aliens i do like how again you know you find out midway through that you know the other mercs mercs have a double agenda and i love much like an alien movie i love seeing a predator ripoff because they're almost always just atrocious <laughs> you know, oh yeah attacking oh, yeah. people very cheap locations <laughs> actors who are you know barely getting by paying the rent and so it's just always wild when i see a predator knockoff is like gee i wonder what could happen surely they won't have an invisible creature oh yes they will <laughs> uh so it is a one of its kind you just can't do it again and <laughs> oh where would we be um yeah, so that's all I got. It's a four out of five. There's no denying it. It's an awesome movie. I don't think it's as awesome as The Running Man from that same year or even Aliens, but it's it's up there. It definitely goes in one of the top Men on a Mission movies or Alien versus Marines films. <laughs> oh, so I'll let David step up. You're too quiet, buddy. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of this movie it's a little movie is also it's a question of when they where, where were you in your life when they come out and um <laughs> all good it's all not good like, it's not like uh, this is a critically acclaimed movie <laughs> no i'm not I, I i mean i enjoy it i'm not saying i don't know it's not one that i go back to often it's a little over the top um which is the point i guess the uh, the scene where uh, Carl Weathers and El Schwarzenegger could do the um, you know the bro. <laughs> it's like I thought it was I thought it was becoming gay porn for a minute. I wasn't sure what. I was <laughs> Don't make me make another Peter North joke. Damn. But but again but again the, some of the uh, soldiers have really um, great lines. It's got some good quotable uh, humor. And, you know, and Schwarzenegger again. Yeah, you're right. He's never going to play King Year. Um, but we wish he would. The creature effects are great. The concept is oh, very nice. interesting. The, the thought of being hunted. Um, I don't know. I guess three and a half out of five. Is that okay? Sure. It, we it, it, okay. Are we doing half scores? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're doing out of five store, scores. So, yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, DreamQuest Images, you know, who later worked on Total Recall and The Abyss, you know, did get nominated for the best visual effects for this one. So. Yep. 
Oh yeah, definitely. The effects are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're just really? interesting concepts. The, the the alien, the countdown on his on his wrist thing, and being. Oh, yeah. It's not numbers, but you immediately know what it is. So that was a great, that was a good little. And everybody loves about that laser nowadays. Those don't know how they act. I'm like, well, you don't get it. It's an alien laser. It doesn't, you can't bring real life science into this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel, how would you rank this movie? Uh, just uh, as a five. I mean, it's really corny, but that's the fun of it. It's, it's 80s. Guy film at its best. Yeah, I take it you listen to the tracks. The monster effects just—they hold up today. Just brilliant monster effects. Like even that first scene where it lunges out of the jungle and grabs the one uh, nerdy guy is brilliant. (laughs) It looks great even today. Yeah. Uh, Have you listened to the riff tracks version of this movie? (laughs) <laughs> uh, that I have not actually the commentary is wild because <laughs> uh, at one point Mike Nelson is just making fun of the this, very this, dramatic this was the 80s 300 yeah, I guess good. you could say that that makes good. sense good the, the crazy macho insane movie but but I love it to this day and you know again James Cameron's input there when he said hey how about a creature with mandibles Right. Um, He's tying in straight through here, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, Stan Winston had to bring his own kind of creature. He loved making creatures. I mean, after all, after this year, you know, he does Pumpkinhead, and then he does all these other, you know, atypical movies. He even, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, the man did second unit and makeup effects on Congo, which uses a lot of the same laser guns and alien and predator type Trolls. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. It would have been interesting seeing Tim Curry in this, too. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> oh, okay. Johnny boy, how are you going to rank this one? Uh, well, I mean, I'm. There's another one just like Aliens. I loved this as a kid. It's actually my favorite Schwarzenegger film. I do prefer Running Man. That's just me. No, it's all good. I I didn't like Running Man growing up either. It was just the quotes that had just stuck in with me. <laughs> so That's all good. To ramp my fist right for your spine. <laughs> <laughs> I totally bastardized the quote, but you know where I'm going for. Well, yeah, but um. Put a sock in it. <laughs> like we said. I mean, the effects still hold up. I mean, that's Dan Winston for you. He was still, I think, the best at that. I I mean, I don't know what to say. He, may he rest in peace. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I, I do miss that. I, I remember I cried inside. I was like, man, the dude who, you know, did everything. I'd read about him. I was behind him. I always mm-hmm. wanted to. I mean, I would read about effects in various film history books, and I would always want to see them just for the effects, and then, you know, uh, figure out after the facts, yeah, that was a waste of time, or, oh, that was a really underrated movie, you know? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, Winston was, like, the first one I did get into. I mean, yeah, there's Bob Bowden of The Thing. Yeah, there's, you know, all the other guys, and Rick Baker, obviously, you know, doing yeah. the effects, but it's like that. With this, you know, I, 
I had no complaints. There just was no denying his appeal and characterization. And again, same. It's funny how this was pitched by Joel Silver as Rocky meets Alien. <laughs> really? I even yeah. <laughs> they joked about that. I'm like, it's way, it's not inspirational like Rocky. And it's definitely no. not as good as the for, some of the formulaic sequels. But it does become kind of one of those, you see it referenced in other movies like, you know, I Come in Peace with Dolph. And That's true. <laughs> That's a good example. It just some kind of, that, that it, both the all both these franchises from that that point on, it, there has to be either a scientist or there has to be an alien that hunts for sport. There's got to be one of those types of premises. Ironically, the mm-hmm. guy who played the alien had been in a crappy drive-in feature by the none other than Graydon Clark called Without Warning. That was a similar kind of movie, but that movie was a sleep sleeping pill. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> this is where it's at in terms of you know creature fun. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I think we can all agree. It's it may not be for everybody, but eventually, you know, you're gonna much like Aliens and maybe even the first Alien. You're gonna sit down and have this be a party movie where you sit out in the backyard on your projector and you play it and you have way too much fun in between all the drinks and food. So, with further ado, I forgot to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh. Did they even do any merchandise for this back in the day? Like, was this? I'd be curious. Come see. It was probably later on after the 90s. This is like, yeah. Buy a Burger King special diet Coke and you get a a Predator figurine. You get the spears. Collect all six spears. No, they didn't do that. That'd be great. (laughs) Oh, so lo and behold, a sequel came conjuring it up. Three years later, set in L.A., uh, alternate reality of, much like Escape from New York, of 1997. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None other than Predator 2. So, yeah. I didn't get into this one right away. I revisited later when, you know, I became a fan of Stephen Hawkins and his work in suspenseful stuff like Traffic the Series 24 and even mishaps like you know lost in space but you know then i see other movies like judgment day and you know nightmare on elm street 5 and i was like yeah this dude has a pretty cool eye for visuals and tension i'll I'll give predator 2 another go and lo and behold i do think it's a fun movie i don't think it's a sharp no pun intended but it i do like the la you know cartels and everything danny glover is cool even though he really doesn't add as much to the movie he's still in just you know murtog mode from lethal weapon but I do think it's a cool creature feature, even though, you know, by act two, you are kind of ready for it to end. But yet just all the other just nonstop action just kind of keeps you just involved, even though it's, you know, it's pretty cliche. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Bill Paxton and uh, Mary Chanchita kind of add a little charm to this as the, you know, Blade Runner type cops. So, yeah, it's a three and a half out of five. I I'm still in debate. I prefer Maniac Cop 2 and some of the other sequels from this year over, you know, other sequels of this year, but it, it's worth watching. Thoughts? <laughs> well, the real well, Slim well, Shady, please stand up. <laughs> well, for me, I actually find this to be incredibly underrated. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. This is... In fact, I even know this got a lot of hate until 
years later after I watched it as a kid. Um, it kicked off all the Dark Horse Alien versus Predator ones just because of that alien Easter egg they put at in, in, the very, in the last five minutes. And it is wild how they, even the Fox executives couldn't decide if they wanted to do you know a crossover <laughs> language for that long. Oh, we did that as a joke. No, we did that as canon. It's like, well, you put it in the movie, so clearly someone... Never mind. <laughs> right. Years before mm-hmm. Star Wars rewriting its whole canon. <laughs> Marvel doing the same. <laughs> oh. Um, did anyone no. see this in the theater? Nope. No. I yeah, I don't think so. I think I rented it. Why do you? What was your thought on it, Dave? I, I'm sorry, I didn't care for this movie at all. But maybe, you know, I might have gone into it expecting something different. I think that happens a lot. Your expectations are not met. It's not that the movie itself sucks, but it's just not what you were expecting. So it's, know, my initial reaction to this movie was very negative. Um, it's pretty it had, dated. Because it, it had um, Bill Paxton in it and and, uh, and Danny Glover. So I was hoping for, I don't know, uh, I was hoping for something different, I think. It is interesting how the he is. Was cool. it, was, it was, you know, good setting. Yeah. Apparently, there was more to a lot of the other deaths, but they just had to cut it because they were otherwise going to get an X rating. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that would have made it better for me. It, it didn't help that there were naked people during the death scenes, so. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that, that naked chick who has been in every full moon entertainment movie had <laughs> definitely had some work done on you know what. <laughs> Um, Your words, not mine. Oh, well, I, I stand by them. <laughs> it's interesting how um, uh, it's pretty dated in some places, even though it's supposed to be the future. And yet, I think that kind of brings a lot of the fun appeal to it. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say it does feel like the. What? Well, here's a theory. Do you think that the comp- the evil corporation that Gary Busey is a part of is actually the same, you know, alien corporation, just a sister company under an alias? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I mean, in this film, no, but in the wider retrospect, yes. <laughs> Pretty wild how many other B movie actors before they are a thing appear here. Adam Baldwin, Robert Davies, that's the police chief for like five seconds. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Everybody, uh, Henry Kenji, another stuntman who previously was in the first Predator. He's the first guy who gets killed that falls off, you know, the the cliff from the grenade explosion, <laughs> hmm. and later did a lot of other stunt work, like the car chases in films like Bad Boys and The Rock, and is kind of like Thomas Rosales in uh, what's his name, uh, Danny Trejo always been the go-to for playing a thug who gets killed or you know <laughs> henchman number five he's later in john carpenter's vampires as one of the hunters um mm-hmm. so yeah i i think it's a fun romp i did get to go to las colinas studio and see some props that were used in this movie because believe it or not oh. it was filmed it was filmed here in dallas and <laughs> i mm. think for that opening believe it or not so nice uh john i'll let you rank it <laughs> And then go over to Daniel's rating. <laughs> well, for me, I I give this four out of five. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I thought we were all going to be harder on it, but no. <laughs> I'm already loving the way It always varies by crowd. It, I, I cannot notice. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right, Daniel. Rump and stomp. Agreed. Four to five. <laughs> it's not aged well, but that's part of the charm for me. 
nowadays, like, if someone did a movie like this, oh like, yeah, it'll be very but, junky. But I guess you could say it. I mean, you could say it like with Full Moon. Like, there's some good ones that really are pretty cool at being their that, own that, comic. That opening scene alone, you got to go back to the time it was made in when there was these massive drug wars between gangs, like L.A. riots. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. That was the reality. Today, it's so dated, but that's what makes it charming. Exactly. And I, and I guess you could say, much like you know, Escape from New York. There's a yeah, exactly. City. The city is a character as opposed to just fading in the background and being oh, hell yes. Yes. You, you don't see any Coke ads or in-movie advertising like everybody was starting to do years before, you know, Michael Bay made that his modus operandi. So, <laughs> And, you know, just those two scenes of where Danny Glover finds the xenomorph skull in the trophy room and then all the other mm -hmm. predators surrounding him, that's at the stage for so much to come. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I might, yes, I might so add, that was if I could tell a personal story here. Yeah, sure. Um, when, I when I worked as a background in the movie Be Kind Rewind, um, Denny Glover had a role in that, and there were some people there who were expressing disbelief that, oh, Denny Glover, like a badass? What are you talking about? And I was like, you guys never saw Predator 2, did you? <laughs> I mean, Lethal Weapon, come on. I mean, Oh, God, yes. Silverado? I mean... He's a gentle giant, but when he's got to take out a shotgun, he'll blast your ass. <laughs> he wants to be a badass. He's a badass. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, he was pretty bad as one of the uncles on a recent episode of Blackish. But yeah. Um... <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm -hmm. Music. music. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's mm -hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. 
undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say fun stuff. Well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, 
often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant two podcasts one is the macgyver podcast where we celebrate richard dean anderson 
his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. Uh, what was the name of the movie again? I think I might have seen that one. Be Kind Rewind. Oh, Be Kind. Oh, okay. I'm visible a few times in that movie. Did you get to see Jack Black and other people on set? <laughs> yes, I did, actually. Nice. Mm. Did he sing for you? <laughs> no, he didn't sing. To be the best. I, I did ask Jack Black about uh, being a luchador. And what was his reaction? <laughs> there I asked. <clears throat> well, I had seen an interview he did in, in Wizard Magazine at the time about Nacho Libre. Where he said that Luchador's that he was getting death threats from fat women. What? So he, really? He got death threats from fat women because they thought he made them look bad with Shao Hao. Oh my god. That it was a really mean, oh nasty movie. Oh my god. So I mean... <laughs> at one point doing B Kindry One, I was found myself there with him, like only a few feet away. And I asked him, So uh get any death threats from Luchador's? And he laughed and he said, ah, no, luchadors were big fans. <laughs> That's very eye-opening, but it's fun having kind of off to off a conversation like that on a movie yep. set because you get to see how they take it as a, you know, talent versus, you know, a public figure. Um, yep. No, I'm glad you got to do that. Um, <clears throat> I've always heard wonderful things about Danny, uh, especially how he did a few other movies and, uh, you know, he's was the son of a postal worker. So he just always kind of had that just, again, gentle giant kind of feel and uh, going around even, I mean, 
I know there was this one movie he did, and he literally just told everybody, hey, you should go check out some of the lemonade that's there, you know? And <laughs> no business talking to any of them, and just said, hey, how you doing? Go get some of that lemonade before the concession stand, you know, gets put up for the day. <laughs> so, interesting aspect of his career. Um, before he goes back to doing more, you know, serial killer thrillers and <laughs> uh, historical dramas. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Two years later, there is David Fincher's debut as Alien Free. <laughs> I'll go last in this one. I'm just gonna let you guys just pile on it or <laughs> either join the I like or hate club. <laughs> I try so hard to like this movie. I try so Same hard. with me. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like being in an abusive relationship. I keep crawling back. I try so hard. I, I don't know. And I love and I love David Fincher. I really do. He's one of my favorite directors. Uh, it's funny how he will not acknowledge this. He just hated working with the Fox executives. And he is one of those. You you mess with any cut of his movie. Yeah, they sound like a real prize. <laughs> I, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal definitely never wants to work with him again when he takes 30 takes of each scene without saying, what are you doing better or worse? <laughs> uh, I can understand yeah. 30 takes, but 70 takes, good fucking grief. <laughs> Man. Ugh. Detail. I The devil's definitely in the detail with parts of this movie. I have seen only portions of what's in the producer's cut that's incorrectly mm -hmm. labeled the director's cut. I found it, find it a decent creature feature, but at the same time, it, it has a lot of dead space in between. Mm -hmm. I like how it's a prison movie without feeling like a schlocky exploitation movie, but at the same time, it's not organized at all. Nope, not at all. But I like the creature yeah, effect. It's very chaotic. Yeah. So... I need to actually watch the director's cut. I kind of just find it an okay, like, three out of five kind of movie. Just, it's, it, as a standalone, just creature attacking a prison, it's interesting. But uh, it's cool seeing Bishop again. But the movie just starts off on just a very bad note. And oh, yeah. it's good. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you just tossed them all to the side like they were just cannon fodder. I mean. Mm -hmm. So, as a standalone movie, I'm okay with it. But I cannot blame anyone just saying, yeah, no, and there are only two alien movies. <laughs> mm -hmm. The one thing this movie uh, was interesting to me is it, um, it's the one that broke the concept that the alien takes on the characteristics of whatever its host was, which had never occurred to me because it comes out of a dog and it's, so it's walking on all fours more. It's more dog-like. That was a very interesting concept to me, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, there's not much else I can say good about. Or dog. <laughs> I know that's that's actually it's hard. To yeah, it, it is, uh, it's like they used unused drafts for the thing or something. I guess I don't know. <laughs> that was that was sad. Oh, uh, Char Charles dances the doctor was one of the highlights for of this one for me too. His performance was great, sort of. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. the, the man with a, a, a sort of a I don't know a, a sinful past. he had done not sin, he had done some horrible thing, right? And his, yeah. This soliloquy that when he tells her his story is a great scene, very emotional. He's a great actor, but overall, oh well. And Dutton is definitely, definitely, definitely former felon turned actor, and you know, just seeing him play all these poetic kind of people, and yeah, he doesn't have enough to do in this movie, but 
he gets a little development like before he gets killed at the very end. It's like Jesus <laughs> had a whole movie to do. Yeah. Uh, oh. So I guess you're gonna give this a two out of five or something. I don't know. Um, um, I think you know what I, I would give it an extra half, so two and a half, just because it's an alien movie. It's got it's got Ripley in it. Um, almost there. <laughs> it's got it's got some uh, it's got some decent kills when it grabs the, the one guy by the uh, outside of his head and i kind of like the ending but it's kind of the ending that would work better if it were like an anime or something it's funny how different con- aspect different uh execution makes for a better payoff and you kind of feel a little cheated it's like chase that was just the only way you could get rid of the creature was <laughs> I've never trusted movies. I've never trusted movies that are in a series, you know, like the third or fourth one in the series, where they try to, like, okay, this is the final movie. We killed her. There's no way we can make another one. Like, oh, pull the other one. Come on. You know, it's like, there's there's money to be made. You'll figure it out. So many other. Well, because. Final series. Well, there's that, and every other effects franchise, often when it's running out of steam, it's still going. Like we were when we were talking about Maniac Cop in another episode, we noted how there's still like a good twenty minutes that are a little over long. But at least since the first half was interesting, you it didn't feel like a drag getting to the finish line. So in here is like you're at the finish line and then you're having all these other detours and everything. So yeah, I, I would have to see the director's cut and compare. Uh, but I can't blame anyone for just say just giving up on the franchise at this point. Uh Daniel, I'll let you weigh in and Rank this. Uh, gonna give it a three out of five because um, like I I feel it's underrated. It has so much potential that that they squandered. It's a good movie in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, Maybe a great movie. In an alternate universe, Ripley dies. Newt lives. Newt carries this genre from here. Daughter of Ripley. Rated R. (laughs) But but that's not what they did. No. Nope. 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 <laughs> oh man. I agree. To the 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 xenomorph taking on the aspect of the animal it impregnates was a great twist, but they just really didn't do much with it. Ironically, that's like back when Movie Maniacs for Nika Toys was making figurines of all the various horror oh, icons. Yeah. That was like I, I the only to. version. That's the only version of the alien the you can get. The winged alien, the gorilla <laughs> alien. I had those. Yeah, that would have oh, been. That was, you're right. It was, it's a fascinating concept. We would have loved to have seen it fleshed out more. Same yeah. They did, but only the Zepredier, whatever you want to call it. Have you tried watching the producer cut? or? Have I've it? never seen that. I've never seen it. No, I've not. I've not I, seen it. Yeah. One of these days. <laughs> is, it, is it worth my time? Does it add anything? I've heard a lot of people say they, there's a lot of Holocaust type imagery in it that kind of. Jesus, but pressing enough as it is. That's right. I know. And so it, it's kind of one of those. I guess if you can get it discounted and you have time to kill, you, you know, if it's a five dollar Blu-ray, you might check it out. But <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to get that set, but it had some other alien movies I wasn't keen on having in my lap. So we'll see. Moving on to about five years later, they have another go. 
and gets all twisted, gets in development hell, it introduces Josh Whedon as a writer. And as we know, much like David Fincher, if you mess with his stuff, he starts disowning, interacting like that's not what I said, mm-hmm. when he should know better that everything is a collaboration. He wrote all the dialogue and speed, for God's sakes, as well as the you're a dick line in X-Men. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> That's the best scene in the movie. Um, it, is. it absolutely is. Uh, so here we go. Alien Resurrection. We have, again, space pirates, more evil corporations, and once again, Brad Dourif being psychotic. Brad Dourif. I'll let you guys weigh in before I deliver. No, I'm just going to say it. I like this movie. <laughs> okay, okay. I like this movie a lot. It, you know, it, it I actually do too, but it's far from perfect. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It didn't, it didn't even really need to be an alien movie for me to like it. I like, yeah, I like the, the crew of pirates are likable. You get a real sense that they're a family. Um, I like that. Um, they're bad guys, but they're not purely evil bad guys. You know, I mean, obviously they kill when you know, except for Ron Perlman's character, who's obviously completely psychotic. Um. I hear you. I, I enjoyed that. Um, interesting choice with um, Winona Ryder. Oh, yeah. Uh, just adorable she could be back then. I know many. <laughs> I know many gals, like many action horror uh, movie critics and uh, film buff gals, who rank this as their favorite movie of all time. Like I've seen people go that it was kind of a trend for a while. <laughs> it's like, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> to them, for whatever reason, there's it's, it's better like a, than it gets credit for, but it's definitely not the best genre. <laughs> That's true. I'll let you weigh in, John, and I'll go. <laughs> well, this one, unlike the last one, I can at least call mediocre at best. Um, I actually think Ron Perlman and Mona Ryder, I think they're actually the two best parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sigourney Weaver did not work in this movie at all. She shouldn't have even been there, if you ask me. I mean... I didn't mind her, but she doesn't really have much to do except just scream at a, you know, the screen like she hasn't learned anything. And that's before you get to the plot twist. But just saying, we don't know that until the very end. True. Uh, I like. I want to. I wish there had been a separate movie with all these mercs, <laughs> all these pirates. I agree. <laughs> I just, yeah, it doesn't uh, have to be an alien movie. I would have watched a TV show on HBO or TNT or even NBC, just day in and day out, just seeing this. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Michael Wincott of The Crow, yeah. Three Musketeers, and Strange Days, and a wheelchair as a foul mouth. Pilot, you got Gary Durden. Make Firefly, and that really is what that this was. Is that's what there you go. Yep, that's true. The family of you know mercenaries who are not evil. I mean, they'll kill when they have to, but they're really not purely evil. That's the that's the connection I made. That's true. You got yeah, Ron Perlman. They're always calling him all these other awful, you know, mental slurs, and then. and then he's always like, aren't that dumb? You know? <laughs> uh, then you got Gary Durden years before CSI. You know, he's got some killer dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 and he clearly he watched tra- Taxi Driver a million times because he's got the, you know, uh, ex- 
gun extension that comes out from under your, you know, wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I hate to be a contrarian. I, I've never been a Winona Ryder fan, so she does not work at all in this movie for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I hate to say. Like it. Don't you don't? Uh, but it's a watchable movie. When I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck? But I got to give it some credit. It is at least a very... It's definitely either a two and a half or a three out of five. There's some good elements, despite the... I used to not like other movies by this French uh, director, but to be fair, he didn't really have... He had executives pointing a gun at his head, telling him what to do. So it's not a good horror movie. It's an okay sci-fi action movie because, again, Brad Dourif is a fun villain. And... uh, I get, the um, alien experimentation makes sense, especially if you've read some of the comic books and books. Uh, it's just there's a few moments that drag. There's a few parts of even the score, which some are blaring, some are lowering. I call this the X-Files effect, where you start turning the volume up just because everyone's mumbling, and then it starts getting loud again, and then you turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, it's like, damn it, stop. <laughs> everyone's wondering what I'm watching. <laughs> this is cliche mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> um, who did the score for this? It was freaking... Uh, I don't even know. Uh-huh. John Frizzell who later did, well, he did, out of all movies, hell, he did Star Trek Enterprise, The Following, and Office Space, and Legion. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one of the guys who you want to get for cheaper, but who's good at his job. Uh, yeah, what can I say? Um, oh, yeah, Jean Perret. He later made the very stunning Amelie, the French comedy. So this is a very interesting, unusual movie movie for him to do uh yeah what can i say uh it's it's dragon places and it's exciting in other places it's not really a memorable action movie but it is at times it gets your attention so you want to see people run down the corridors blasting at aliens um retrieving whatever scientific stuff uh and then the plot twist really is the nail in the coffin for me i did it just comes out of nowhere. It feels. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, been a clone all along, and they've had this mother and bo- daughter bonding. Is like okay, yeah. well, yep. But like Daniel say, it if you give it a chance, it's I guess you could say it's watchable junk food, but it's also it's like a total WTF because I mean, I know there was a big PlayStation video game for this that was a big, very popular in rental sales. Game Informer. <laughs> I don't know if anyone ever played it. <laughs> I did not. Apparently, it had some story extensions and other stuff. So, it'd be interesting to see someone do a walkthrough of that on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure somebody might. <laughs> yeah, probably with colorful commentary. Oh, what the fuck, an alien! <laughs> oh, so then for a while, aliens kind of retired for a while. No one talks about it. There's. I remember when Spike TV used to do marathons day and out of all the sequels. Uh, AMC had a very, like, one of their few mature audience um, specials where they did a special on all the movies and had exclusive interviews back in, like, 2000. It was called, like, Alien the Legacy. 
I think it's on one of the Blu-ray packs, believe it or not. So I'd be <laughs> curious to check it out. So, yeah, after a while, uh, after years of just talks of a versus matches, finally, the King Kong versus Godzilla equivalent arrives in theaters in 2004. <laughs> uh, none other than helming it, Paul Mortal Kombat W.S. Anderson. <laughs> oh, this was the first one I saw in the whole franchise. Sue me. <laughs> it was on DVD and my uncle wanted something to watch that was a beat em up movie. <laughs> so I saw it. Oh, what was interesting is for hours before I watched the actual movie, I saw just a bunch of specials that talked about all the effects making and stunt coordinating. And I loved how, like, what's his name? Raul Bova, this uh, German guy who thought he was going to become like the next Tom Cruise. His career did not. Uh, it kind of retired after this movie, so I find it funny how he's just acting like, oh, he's going to be a star. Everyone refers to him in the documentary as he's going to be a star. It's like, oh, I, I don't think anyone can even pronounce his name. <laughs> but I would see him in other occasional A-list movies, but never in a lead role. I thought it was okay junk food. Obviously, the unrated yeah. is like complete because it has more exposition and gore. It was the way it was meant to be seen, so... If you just want it as a Saturday morning cartoon, I think it's a decent three and a half out of five, but I would never really consider it as part of the franchise because, I mean, Predator was already an awesome, you know, B action film and the Aliens was already respected, you know, genre entry <laughs> and like A-list quality. So it, it just should have, I don't know, it should have just maybe been a short film, I guess, <laughs> for more success. I don't know. But yeah, every this was the favorite punching bag of 2004, despite it being one of the most sold-out movies, one of the highest-rated rentals. <laughs> yeah. I had many black friends who would say, oh, I love this movie. That was kick-ass. But it was kind of the Freddy versus Jason, I guess you could say, of 04, but I guess slightly Great less trashy. The script just didn't deliver. Yeah, it doesn't help that no one is trying to make sure all the continuity is perfect, even though they got Lance Hendrickson playing the engineer who later, whose likeness was later used for, you know, the Bishop robot cyborg. And mm -hmm. to make it even more bizarre, like there's just several times where it's like, they're like, oh, we got five seconds till the cave blows or the door shuts and they don't even bother having the time match up. It's like, come on. <laughs> We're counting here. We're we're not even trying to count. It's just nitpicks. So I guess you could say if you want a junk food outing, go for it. I don't have a problem with Paul W.S. Anderson when he stays away from Resident Evil and does stuff like Pompeii. But I guess you could say I, I wouldn't even blame him with this. I think the producers had to respect the material more. And John Davis, a predator, kind of just wanted to churn it out without kind of making it better. I, I do. Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be in this as Dutch. I think that really would have made a big difference. In fact, it might wow. have been interesting having him be the expedition member. I know it would have been a little bit of a problematic because I guess. No, it wouldn't. It would have been after Predators. So there you go. <laughs> Aliens in the distant future. So. Yeah. Now, compared to Resurrection, I don't mind the CGI 
aliens in this. Even now, I it's just they're well rendered, kind of near Star Wars, Lord of the Rings level, to where they don't stand out like a sore thumb. You know they're digital, but they still have a menace with their character movement and se- and fully designed. Um, it is cool seeing the flashback scene where the Predators are defending the ancient pyramid. I guess I like how they pretty much are Aztecian Egyptian-like established here. So I guess that's... As a junk food outing, I do think it's actually way better than one likes to believe. But again, because it's part of a respected franchise, it does it's always going to be made out to be the bastard child unless you just want something just again. Surprisingly, I have not seen these movies be shown all that much on TV, which is very surprising. I will say the fight scenes looked way better in the trailer than in the actual cut because they just go way too fast. So I was like... I can't remember any fight scene because I guess there was always going to be a losing match because, uh, you know, all these other, it would have been better with some better known names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got Tommy Flanagan from Braveheart, but he doesn't have much to do except blow up the cave. Sana Lathan. Who the hell is that? <laughs> Loving basketball. Come on. So the only thing interesting about her is she's trying to be like Ripley and even, Let's off a predator like lines say, almost saying the F word. <laughs> um, and mm. you're able to tell all the aliens apart because, you know, one of them has a scar on their head, but that does kind of make it too mindless for the average viewer. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> David, I'll let you weigh in. Did you I, see this movie? I can't stand this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie, this, this movie, I think everyone wanted it to be great, including me. And I think yeah. some people have convinced themselves that it was, I think, out of some, you know, sense of disappointment. They want, So they just, there are people who, who argue with me, this movie is great. I'm like, this movie's not great. This movie is a turd. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't care for it um, at all. Uh, would have been a great concept uh, if done correctly. Hmm. Putting Lance Henriksen in it doesn't do a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's the second guy behind Bill Paxton to have been both killed by an alien and a predator. But it actually has a fairly decent cast. Um, no, don't like it. <laughs> I don't understand why people do. Um, uh, yeah. It's just because it was kind of trying to be kind of, I think that's just it. It's trying to be like a Godzilla movie. We, one of the more we wanted lines. it to be great, and it just wasn't. <laughs> they didn't have people who respected the source materials, I guess you could say. Yeah. But there were some cool action figures that came with this. Let alone music videos. <laughs> On YouTube. I used to do that all the time. Uh, John, what's your final ranking after David's one out of five? <laughs> well, this is a weird one. So I actually did see this in the theater. Oh. I, was, I was a kid at the time, so. How was the theater oh. design and people reacting? To be honest, I actually don't remember. I don't think <laughs> everyone dead silent. <laughs> did they go to sleep? I, I think that. so. People snoring and babies are whining at a movie they have no business being at. <laughs> no snoring, although I had that experience later on, but um, yeah. This is one I consider to be very average, very like ho hum creature film. I, mean, I wish they could have done this better. Yeah. Although, it is 
some interesting ideas they come up with, but it's just the execution isn't quite there yet. Um, and Paul Anderson, I actually don't hate him as much as a lot of people. Because yeah, everyone likes to have him as a punching him. bag, and it's just like he, until he gets something better, until you have, I mean, he's kind of a hired gun. He's only been asked yeah. to do mindless movies, other than Pandorum and you know Event Horizon, which is kind of as alien as he got. Ironically, he just hasn't, yeah, been given a chance. And besides that, and Little Combat, which is the only two films I liked from him so far, but um, I think I think you'd like uh, Pompeii if you like old sword and sandal kind of movies with a disaster element in the last act. <laughs> wasn't a huge fan of that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not we've there. talked about Soldier before on here too. How it's kind of okay as a mindless movie, but as a Blade Runner sequel, is like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Kurt I'm Russell, that he's either. a cyborg. <laughs> but oh, this one, so, I get like two out of five. I don't hate it, but it could be better. It's just kind of something you just put on in the background, but you don't really actually pay attention to. <laughs> exactly, that's what I do. If you ever want, buy the entire Alien Saga, you only again that's the only reason it's on your shelf is because it came in the you know multi pack, <laughs> mm-hmm. six pack. Get it? It's an Alien six pack. <laughs> All right, Daniel, I'll let you fire away, and then we'll move on to the next <laughs> Vienna monster five. bash. All right, <laughs> it's kind of like you know, Resurrection, where it's junk food, I, but it's not. I had, had such high hopes. And this just did not deliver. <laughs> but there was still some fun stuff. Right. And it, it is kind of wild how, uh, while Freddy versus Jason didn't really take itself all that seriously, I mean, this one doesn't, it's kind of a basic Saturday morning plot, but after the first act, I wouldn't say it's campy, but it just kind of, it just goes from one, again, literally just one attempt at frilling you to the next even though it's not campy or yeah. deadly serious. So it's just kind of weird how we start seeing a increase in these kinds of movies and varying qualities. So three years later, they decide let's do again, another alien film, different casting crew. Let's have the Strauss brothers who've done special effects for films like, you know, galaxy quests. And, uh, I saw the clips from it and I was like, Oh, this, this looks like the most poorly acted movie. I gave it another go. Oh, yeah years later and despite too many scenes being in the dark it doesn't really annoy me too much it works as a b-movie feature but i can understand i can see why some people are just like yeah leave this alone or i only liked it because of the predator fight yada yada it's it's a chaotic superhero kind of movie i guess you could say with some slasher undertones (laughs) requeem The characters don't get enough development. That is definitely the biggest kick in the stomach. It's like, okay, I should feel sorry for some of them. Some of them are annoying. Some of them are just won't shut the hell up. <laughs> and no one was asking for this, so it's got a lot working against it. I do like a lot some of the actors, especially the female Marine who's played by Rico Islesworth of 24 fame. <laughs> One of the many actors from that show who you see shooting aliens in various B-movies. Um, I guess it's 
and the plot twist at the end, what are our thoughts on that? It's kind of similar to Predator 2. We're just showing how, again, there's a shady organization who has a game plan and wants basically wants these creatures to fight so that whoever wins, they can go to the crime scene and, you know, get the remains and study them, develop weaponry. But uh, I really have no other else. You either are into this or as mindless junk food or it's just not all that great. <laughs> so. I guess you could say this was definitely along with Rambo 4, one of the red first red band trailers that I remember seeing on the internet where they showed all the gory bits in the trailer. Too quieter, guys. <laughs> Rambo 4, technically, it was not Rambo 4. It was Rambo. No, my bad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, they, they put it out there. They put it out there. Did you see, did anyone see this one in the theater or did they avoid it after being disappointed by the last one? <laughs> I avoided it. I did not see it. Yeah. Uh, I hate this one. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, to me, there's nothing good in this movie at all. Uh, okay. I just remember Entertainment Weekly being like the only person who gave this a positive review with a B minus. <laughs> I'm not so surprised. Uh, oh man, just like from the actors, and then like we said with the lighting. Oh my god, why would we even begin with that? Ugh. I understand why they did it, and yet they do it way too much. To where it's like, okay, come on. I, I can actually see. see. I can see what's going on, but then there are other moments where it's like, I mean, you're not in the sewer anymore. Why are you still in the dark? <laughs> oh. yeah, I just found nothing to enjoy in this thing. This, this is kind of torture to sit through, if you ask me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just give my rating right now. I give it a half star. <laughs> you yeah. nuked it. <laughs> bigger than the nuke in the movie. <laughs> Oof. Oh, David, fire away. I'm, I'm going to have to confess I have never seen this. <laughs> and from what you guys are saying, I'm not about to. I'm good. I, I think you. it's an okay B feature, but on the first viewing, I absolutely hated this one. It was like, come on. How stupid can you guys be? And this was back when IMDb was Troll City. There were people who would go out and say, this is the best Predator was. movie. Uh, yeah, it was. There still are in the review section, but I'm talking in the forums. It's like, people would just go on and off. It's like, what are the last yeah. best R-rated movies? I'm like, come on. <laughs> you guys mad straws here. I would never say this is the best movie in the franchise. Why, how, why are you saying that? Uh, the Predator does get some characterization. It is cool seeing their spaceship be shot down. But again, it only works as a B-movie. Once again, it suffers from much like Resurrection and, to, and just where you never really care about everyone. It's just kind of mm -hmm. the, the convict explodes right in your face and you're not really ever really connected to what's going on. As a B actioner, it does do the magic, but again, it varies by scene, let alone by the lighting. So it's like, eh, okay, I can't fully recommend this one. 
I guess it's a free out of five for me. I wouldn't call, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but it's definitely would be under that label, but I can't blame anyone for who's just like, yeah, worst movie of the year. <laughs> All right. So moving on alien gets a spinoff slash origin story slash whatever <laughs> in 2012 <laughs> with Prometheus and also known as the internet uh, argument uh, starter. So many people oh love this movie. So many people hate this oh movie. I saw this with my mother and the sister in the theater. My sister surprisingly liked it. She doesn't like these kinds of movies. And she was just down with it. She liked the characterization of the scientist, how they're doing this for you know, personal research for their dying dad who wants to see this. Me, it's just... It was just way too predictable for me, especially as you knew who was going to be infected. And uh, I really do not like the music, the CGI. I know people praise it. It looked like a very crappy video game to me. I yeah. and ironically, they did do a lot of model work, including the decapitation. It just looks so fake to me, even though it was practical. So I was just like, I didn't like any of these characters. This was definitely where I started avoiding movies that starred Idris Elba because I just knew more often than not, they tend to just be very bad. Um, I will say Charlie's Theron is probably the only character that gets any development and you root for her come up and set the very end. Mm-hmm. The Teetering Tower, Ship of Doom. I know other people that swear by this one, but I, I'm going to have to stand by the one out of five. I'll let you guys praise or destroy this movie now. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. <laughs> And I know many people are just like, oh, you're just so dumb. You don't get it. And it's like, here's the thing. I mean, there's really isn't any mystery to really build on. You have it all explained to you. And everyone, this is by the Damon Lindelof, the head writer of Lost. And everyone likes to do the same kind of, you know, oh, it's actually deeper than it actually says. It's like, I think you guys are just having way too much fun. Uh at the end of the day, even if I were to try and find it watchable or likable, I, I don't like the new cyborg. I can never remember his name, played by Fastbender. David. So there you go. Just <laughs> simplest name on the bunch, like religious name. And I don't, I, I get yeah. nothing from any of these characters. It really doesn't accomplish anything. You literally just get a bunch of, again, scientists discovering stuff and then again uh you know everyone overriding doing doing mutinies and again predictably getting killed and why the fuck did they take their helmets off i know they did the whole yeah safe to breathe but (laughs) i just feel i everybody is supposed to be smart and i just they're just all very cardboard cutouts because and I'm curious to see what this would have been like had, you know, Ridley Scott not returned. But this is what I use as proof of some people should not return to their franchise. (laughs) No. Uh, Daniel, did you see this in the theater? I did, and I'm good. Three out of five. Um, I like it, actually. No, all good. They laid very good seeds here. But the way that they did it, you can't follow up. Like right. the, the the origin of the xenomorph, brilliant. 
but then they didn't follow up on that. I will admit, I don't really remember how it gets formed. It just kind of just shows up, and you're just like, okay, now it's there killing everybody. That was supposed to be the point. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. I guess something about just how it kind of feels forced in your face. And I know everyone does the whole... I've seen plenty of people get into arguments on this movie, violently agree and disagree on it. I, just, I, I will say this. The scientists... They're not the dumb kind. It's just kind of, you know, the just what's going to happen just the minute it's all laid out. So I just find it very uninvolving. Like, you know, who's going to make out, who's going to, you know, go back to the planet and, you know, try and encounter the godlike aliens of it. Interestingly enough, Ian White, who had been the stuntman who had played the various aliens and predators, uh, once again, return to do creature work as that main, you know, alien god. Yeah, then right, he's the engineer. Yeah, the engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, German, what's your take on this? I, I like this movie. I'm with Daniel. I, I think this movie is is very good. Um, it's got a couple of scenes in it that just freak me out. The the scene with uh, Mills when the worm thing attacks him just completely disturbed me. Um. And also the uh, the surgery pod scene where she's trying to get the thing out of her. Oh yeah, yeah, that's hard. That's hard to watch, man. Um, really? It's a it's a big movie. It it it, it reaches for some lofty ideas, and it doesn't always get there. But I I, I enjoy. It. Scared the crap out of me in a couple of scenes. Um, it's got some great yeah. violence in it. Um, great score. The cinematography. Some of the early scenes when they're when they're landing the ship, coming through the, the, the atmosphere of the planet and then swinging around those mountains, it's just it's a beautifully shot film. Um, I, I yeah, I'm going to give it the three three star three out of five. All right. So now we know why this just varies by crowd. Right, this one uh, is very yes, no. very it will it will cause arguments. It's it's interesting. <laughs> Before we had the second, the third Star Wars trilogy, we got this one. So, followed up. Uh, oh, my bad. I'm an idiot. I've just done these out of order. Yeah, prior to that, there was the other Predator movie called Predators, also known as Surviving the Game, Hard Target in Space. This also establishes the Predator homeworld and goes again for a lot of just the wall-to-wall action um so this is another one that is a argument uh factor i'll let you guys go first i also saw this in the theater i did too (laughs) it's like on mixed bag (laughs) i there's some fun action at times and I think I told you about the story uh, when Danny Trejo as the cartel gunman first showed up and got killed. Everybody went, Machete died. (laughs) And then I saw a bunch of other black people in the audience freaking out when someone got uh, their entire uh, rib cage and skull pulled out of their skin. They're like, ooh, nasty. It's like, like, come on. Who doesn't know what they're watching here? It's a Predator movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll I be... find some of the cast kind of forgettable, especially Topher Grace's character. His character is not well explained. 
I do like it better than the other Predator sequels. I it may not outdo the original, but I would do a double feature with it, especially because it's on AMC and FX almost every other weekend. I I have a lot of fun with it. It's not for everyone. Some people weren't sold by Elise Braga as the you know Israeli sniper and uh, the Royce character played by award winner Adrian Brody. <laughs> oh, he's what kind of ruins it for me. Really? You didn't buy uh, him? Right. But a voice and... He's an interesting choice for the role, yeah. But uh, Did you see this in the theater, guys? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. <laughs> well, I'll let you guys finish off on it. It's a mixed bag. I, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a four out of five for me, but I understand it's also another argument starter. <laughs> so. It's my second favorite Predator movie, if that says anything. Uh, that's kind of just where I go with it. I'm, I think it's just I like how they're all various warriors and assassins from other places. Other people did the whole well, they're not all likable. But see, you could easily argue that with Jesse Ventura. You don't like him in Predator, but you find him funny because of his you know bigoted, you know homophobic attitude. So I just, I just had fun with their different killing styles, especially with the samurai sword uh, kind of takedown, but. It for me it works better than the Alien and Predator movies because there's actual I can actually remember the various character qualities and the fun. I feel like they're having way more fun with the concept as opposed to just being random. And you do see more of the Predator homeworld. It's cool seeing Lawrence Fishburne as a another warrior and again, much like Morpheus, he has to be the guy who speaks wisdom. <laughs> yeah, he turns out to be batshit crazy. Right. He's like, if I can see them, so can they. And then yeah, much like uh, Bennett and all, not Bennett, uh, all these other guys, he just is kind of starting a mutiny. Um, yeah, no, so anytime I see Adrian Brody in an action movie, I basically just always check it out because I just liked how buff he was in this. But I'll let Daniel finish this off here. You want an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Not I didn't see this one actually. <gasps> okay. I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I never got a chance. All good. <laughs> We're gonna have the same problem when we do child's play next week. Oh. <laughs> uh, some of them we... Yeah, some of the, we have tried to watch all the Child's Play movies, and some of them were just like, yep, we're just going to go ahead because we've just watched most of them. The other ones, uh, I'm going to let yep. someone else talk. <laughs> uh, so we go on to uh, the second. We're going to the second Alien film of the 2010s before uh, Fox decides to reboot the whole franchise again. And also, it's no really Scott gets to revisit it again, and it's called Alien Covenant, set shortly after those various events, and once again exploring another robot uh, duplicate of David. <laughs> I'll let you guys, uh, John. I'll let you go ahead, then I'll let David and Daniel weigh in. <laughs> yeah, um, this one. I'm not. All the comedians in the cast. <laughs> well, that's the big surprise was Danny McBride. Actually, right. thought the best part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fan of his at all. He surprised me. So I'm actually surprised Kevin Bacon is is in this movie. 
Because he just kind of just shows up and you're like, whoa, Kevin Bacon's in the movie. <laughs> he wasn't yeah, top build. Yeah, boys. Yeah, boy. Everybody get foot loose with the alien. Um, yeah, no, I yeah. I saw many people like this movie, but hate the characters in it because they either weren't developed or they just didn't care if they died or not. A big turnoff for me is just how you see it through the uh, taped video footage and just the way they do all the grainy, just documentary kind of look to it just is a real turnoff for me. Yeah. I This is a half star out of five for me. I know I'm being very cruel and it has some decent production values, but when you, I just don't remember anything about the characters and I cared not about the outcome of anyone. <laughs> David, I'll let you fire away. Uh, yeah, this movie made, strangely made no impact on me whatsoever. I, I was hoping for something at least as good as Prometheus and it uh, just wasn't there. I thought the plot twist with uh, David you know, and, he had, and they had the other David on board. It was so, so obvious when the one had long hair and the one had short, it was so obvious what was going to happen. Like, he was going to cut his hair and pretend to be the other one. Um, and I didn't understand the religious overtones with Billy Crudup's character being all, you know... Like, yeah, keep I, I religion out of the movies I didn't, with these. I didn't <laughs> this movie, it, it's not terrible. It, it made no... It really made no impression on me whatsoever. Again, it got wow. a couple of good violence in it. Um... I don't even remember any of the gore or explicit moments of it. I just kind of was just like, it just became very monotone. I just knew everybody, again, just served as a, they're just going to die by the end of the movie. So I just like. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, and, and it didn't expand on. Oh, it's vaguer than Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. you know, even though it's not going to wrap it all up, that it's at least just an origin story. And it's like this one, I. <laughs> It's just more intrigue, but it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, don't care for it. Daniel. Ben said. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a good addition. It just isn't. It has nothing. All right. Um, I know I'm being a hard ass on these movies, but I, I just feel like Aliens kind of at its end game. Uh, I know the head writer of the Fargo show is working on an alien show, Neil Blomkamp. I hope he gets to do his version of Alien because, especially the concept art he did. I wish he got to do this, to be honest. Because I mean, because I mean, he was going to do some resolution to the whole Newt and Hicks storyline. I'm like, please do it before Michael Bean dies of a heart attack please. one day. <laughs> do it. Um. So yeah, that leads us to the final entry and probably final Predator movie that's ever going to be made. The Predator. Uh, Shane Black of the first two Lethal Weapon movies and Last Boy Scout and various other films. Last Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and who had originally been one of the Marines in the first Predator decided to do his take on it. Lo and behold, before it even made it out, uh, Edward James Olmos was playing a key scientist role and had his scenes deleted. To make it even worse, uh, Jake Busey played a scientist who's actually the son of Gary Busey, his real-life dad's character, and they totally omitted that storyline. Things did not get any easier during the production of this movie when Olivia Munn 
got very insecure and had a crew member who get fired when he she found out that he was actually a former sex offender due to a statutory thing back in the 80s. To make it even worse, her male cast members refused to promote the movie with her because they were afraid of her just taking things the wrong way and probably getting them fired. So, all in all, the rest of the movie apparently wasn't a crapshoot and got filmed really quickly and is loosely set after the events of all three other movies. I'll let you guys all weigh in before I do. David, have you seen this one? I'm sorry, I have not seen this one. Really? Okay. You'll forgive me. Alrighty. I'm going to let John fire away. Well, Did you see this in the theater? Yeah, I did. Um, Much like Alien Covenant, I was seeing a lot of people just take to social media and bitch about the trailer, or I just say that... Well, actually, with Covenant, they were at least saying, oh, that looks cool, I want to see it, and then bitching about it the next day. This one, I was seeing people say, I fucking hate this. This looks like it's going to be garbage. You know, they were looking at the trailer. I didn't watch trailers, so I didn't have that impression. My sister went along with me and was not the most amused, but she liked Shane Black and was just like, oh, I'll give it a go. Uh, much like AVP, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to make a cameo at the very end of the movie, and he did not, unfortunately. But he did in one of the newest video games, so... I guess whatever requires less work. Um, yeah. I don't find many of the characters remarkable in this movie. Uh, I mean, I remember a lot of... It was more interesting when you had them fighting on the Predator planet and they were, you know, from different warrior backgrounds. This one, they're basically all ex-cons and other mercenaries who've been framed for something that they didn't do. Uh, I guess the most you're going to remember is Keegan-Michael Key of the comedy group Key and Pill and Thomas Jane, that's right, the Punisher himself, are both just trading insults with each other and both fucking crazy. (laughs) That's pretty much it, yeah. I don't remember any of the other characters. I find it interesting that they have a lot of the predator dog creatures appear here. Those were fun. Yeah. I think it's an okay as a B feature, but... Much like Predator 2, it seems to vary by audience. Now, there were some good critic reviews of this, but there were some other critics who just absolutely hated this movie. So I and I saw some other people who just felt like it was watchable, but an unfinished movie. Uh, what's your take on that, John? Does it feel like an unfinished movie, or does it just feel like a movie that's just very generic, like Alien Free? I wouldn't say unfinished, but... I mean, well, I'll say this. This is one I actually kind of have fun with a little bit up until you get to the end, which to me felt like that was... Studio to be continued! Ah, uh, well, I'm not going to say Like, that was studio interference there at the end. That's what it felt like at the end. Um, Shane Black's dialogue is pretty good. It's his yeah. usual Tourette profanity-laced moments. Like, uh... Boyd Hallbrook was good as the main mercenary. He, I always got him mixed up with Garrett Hedlund, but he's the one of the head villains in uh, Logan, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff. But uh, yeah, there were some other guys who appeared in this. It was cool to see some minorities, some brothers from other mothers playing off each other. That was cool. And you also got Stillman King Brown from This Is Up. He is very fun to root for his comeuppance. Uh, it's also, 
he felt like the character that Craig Bianco did in Longest Goodnight. That's what, at least to me, he felt like. I didn't really get that, but I know what you're going for. Shane Black always writes his villains that way. Uh, I got a bit of a a less memorable Dr. Joshua or <laughs> from uh, Lethal Weapon yeah. kind of film. I could see uh, he does chew the shit out of the scenery, and ironically, he does kind of give Gary Busey a run for his money to some extent. He is just mm-hmm. ruthless. One minute he's working with them, the next minute he's trying to shoot one of the other Merc heroes. <laughs> I will say, for the other casting, you're not going to remember their names, but no. they do pretty good with the source material. You got Mike DePod of the Stargate shows as one of the Marines trying to kill the other guys. Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones is here. Mm-hmm. Olivia Munn's a decent heroine. It's hard to believe that she was, you know, so stuck up and hard to work with, but it doesn't show in the final cut. Um, Ivani Strahovski, uh, you know, her as the blonde hero, is pretty interesting as the gal who has her life whole all disrupted. But it's cool seeing kind of civilians kind of get in on the action and have to actually. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives it a '80s kind of slasher kind of feel. Yeah, that's why I got from this too. I guess you can say that Fred Decker um, of Night of the Creeps and you know Ricochet had clearly had some early script additions, but you know, uh, I guess you could say this movie has some interesting ideas but way too many characters, kind of like uh, the new Alien films. It's oh, just yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Uh, yeah, so other than that, um, I recommend this lightly. If it's on HBO, watch it, but don't, you know. it Again, much like the Prometheus, it's just an Alien Resurrection. It just varies so much by crowd I, I can't tell you if you're going to like it because I don't know. <laughs> Every person wow. is different. So I feel like the franchise is kind of to a close, but I can understand why they're trying to go all TV with it now. I just am so worn out with it. Uh, I don't mind the action in this, but it's not memorable. But again, it's way less lowbrow and shoddy like AVP. <laughs> And it doesn't feel like an incomplete story, That's even true. though there is a mild cliffhanger and setup for something. So I think because Fox and Shane Black were not getting along, and then this was in the wake of Me Too and Olivia Munn's just you know being so insecure around every man who she has to share a scene with, I think uh, there should have been some <sighs> different casting choices, maybe some possibly better care. So. I think then they, I think Boy Hobo's character was supposed to be Benicio del Toro at one point. If I'm not I, I would not doubt it. And uh, he definitely has a similar demeanor to his character in Sicario. So, uh, yeah, I don't think this is the best of the franchise, but I don't think it's a low note. It's just kind of, it's just again another adventure. I think. But I can honestly say this is definitely it for Predator. Mm-hmm. This is the final installment. It just promise. Shane Black and fu- I promise because until 
some asshole comes along and decides, oh, it's been over 40 years, let's remake it with a crappy wrestler. I mean, I don't Possibly. think anyone's going to touch it. <laughs> John Cena. <laughs> Years ago, I would have said that, but now he seems to want to only do just dorky comedy roles. So, yeah. So it looks like Aliens the only one they're keeping alive. They're trying to do a TV show, and I'm all aliened out. I wouldn't mind another Predator, but it's just me. So, uh, uh, John, where can we find you on the interwebs? <laughs> Hmm. on Twitter it's ActionFan555 and Instagram is JonathanMock Groovy Groovy and Daniel where can we find you as the Nightmare Nerd when are you going to do some more blogging and House of Tortured Souls uh, all is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and uh, House of Tortured Souls and Behind the Screams you do be scary Groovy, I look forward to the Please, if you got any articles that are coming out, let share them. Sure. <laughs> and David, we know where to find you on the House That Screams. Yeah, the House That Screams, and that's about it. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.